0: So the scripture this morning is Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Um, if you would like to look that up, take a minute and do so, and, and let's stand for the reading of God's word. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia, and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, They were to enter the king's service. Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. The word of the Lord.
1: So that stools for some old guy that may need to sit down before the sermon's over what <clears throat> guess not uh, <clears throat> one thing I appreciate about what you did, Pam, was you gave some background for what's taking place here, um, how these young men ended up in Babylon, and I will tell you that uh, the key verse in the the text that that Dean read this morning is is verse eight, and we'll we'll come back to that in a few moments. When you what comes to mind when you hear the word resolve? Uh, to help you get on the right track uh, about what I'm not talking about, <laughs> um, so here here's here's resolve defined in ways that really aren't appropriate to what I'm referring to de- to today. Um, Resolve can be defined as to clear up, to find an answer, and that would probably be a little more applicable, or to declare or decide by formal resolution or vote. Or for the scientists in the audience to become separated into component parts, to become reduced by dissolving or analysis. There you go. So, Let me use the word in the context of the definition I'm thinking of. William Wilberforce's goal of abolishing slavery in England required great resolve. There's a hymn. It's in our hymn book. It's number 487 if you want to look it up. And the title is, I Am Resolved. Maybe you know it. Here are the words to that hymn. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. Verse 2, I am resolved to go to the Savior, leaving my sin and strife. He is the true one. He is the just one. He hath the words of life. Verse 3, I am resolved to follow the Savior, faithful and true and safe. Heed what he saith, do what he willeth. He is the living way. Verse 4. I am resolved to enter the kingdom, leaving the paths of sin. Friends may oppose me, foes may beset me, still I will enter in. Resolved. Firmly determined in purpose. Steadfast. Staunch. Decided. That's the context we're looking at today. So to be resolved requires that we overcome resistance, limitations, hardships, and challenges. So to resolve then is an act of the will. It is to set our will to follow a course of action. And a lot of people in our world struggle with resolve because their lives are not controlled by their will. Their lives are controlled by their emotions. I think we've seen that in the streets of some of our cities recently. See, here's God's original intent for us. Here's how He designed us. Our will is to control our mind, which is to control our emotions. But Satan has flipped that equation upside down. When sin entered the world, this is what happened. So now emotions control our minds, which control our wills, and we see the results of that around us all of the time. In Luke 9:51, Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it says this: As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven. Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. By the way, those words, resolute and resolve, are synonyms of one another. It's saying Jesus resolved to go to Jerusalem where his mission on this earth would be fulfilled through his death on Calvary. That's what this verse is saying. What, excuse me, where would we be if Jesus had not resolved to go to the cross? imagine what if his emotions had controlled his decisions and not his will to do the will of the father imagine what if Jesus had said I'm afraid and I just can't do this what if his fear had controlled him rather than his will to do the will of the father well, one of my favorite Bible personalities is Daniel. He was a man of unflinching faith, great courage, godly character, and great resolve. And Dean read this passage for you this morning. And again, verse eight is our, our focus verse, and it says this: "But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked these chief officials permission." And Sam explained to us this morning why Daniel made made that choice. There were just things in Jewish dietary laws that that would not allow him to partake of the king's rich foods and wine. And then I want to move us a little farther in Daniel's life. You find this in Daniel chapter 6 verses 1 through 5. And it says this. It pleased Darius to appoint 120... Saf- this is, by the way, after the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, His, The Babylonian kingdom has now been overthrown by the, the Medes and Persians. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them to the administrators, is speaking of. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. His resolve is still paying off. After this, the administrators and state traps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs. And here's the paraphrase, but they struck out. This is but they were unable to do so. They could find no dirt. Okay? They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, you will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of this God." So I'm going to take a side trail for just a moment. What impresses me about this passage is the fact that as hard as these satraps tried to find something to use against Daniel, they could not. You know, when uh, people run for public office today, they're vetted and people dig into their backgrounds. Um, and, and we've seen it over and over again. Oh, when you are in college or when you are in high school or we found out that you did such and such. And so what they do is they... They tried to dig up dirt on people, and in most cases there's, stuff, there's something in people's backgrounds that they wish nobody knew about, and it's found out, and not the case with General. There was nothing. Okay? He was what we might call squeaky clean. He was a man of such godly character integrity, and, and trustworthiness that there was no dirty laundry exposed. So, what they had to do was resort to getting him in trouble for doing something right. Can you believe that? They had to get him in trouble for doing something right. In Daniel's case, they talked the king into passing a law that said no one could pray to anyone but the king himself for 30 days. Well, we know Daniel wasn't going there. So how did, it, that, did Daniel respond? The king doesn't use the word here, but you see it in his, his actions. He responded with resolve. Here's what it says. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. Then these men went into the group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help he out to the king. That's when he went into the lion's den and God saved him. And so what's this mean for us? It means that to live in a way that pleases God, that is obedient to his word, that exemplifies Christ's likeness, takes resolve. Especially in a world that wants to push us in another direction. We have the power, here's the thing, we have the power of the Holy Spirit at our disposal because He lives within us. See, when we resolve to live a life pleasing to God, the Holy Spirit empowers that decision. So let's talk about what we need to do. Well, we need to resolve to do what is right in God's eyes when things go wrong. And you may be looking uh, around right now today and say, boy, some things are really going wrong. So what is going on in your life? And I think many of us are aware of what's going on in our world right now that may seem to us to be wrong. If you were to describe the circumstances of your own personal life or the season of the life that you're in today... What words would you use? Daniel's world was falling apart. His city had been besieged, and the king Jehoiakim, who the word of God describes describes as a king who did evil in the eyes of his lord, was taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. Just as the scripture had promised would happen if the people continued to walk in disobedience. So the temple of God was ransacked, and defiled, and that the articles, uh, uh the, the holy articles were taken and placed in the temple of the gods in Babylonia and put into the treasure house of Nebuchadnezzar's gods. Daniel with others had been taken from their home and now carried off to a foreign country. But Daniel shows us faith in God, a relationship with God that works even when your world is falling apart. Daniel's faith in God, his relationship with God, had to be lived out in the midst of what was going on in his life right then. Even if it had taken a turn that may have been totally unexpected by him. And folks, our faith in God must be lived out regardless of what is going on in our lives, in our church, in our state, in our country, in our world. And you know, we don't know if Daniel really understood why all of this was happening to him. He may have been saying why. We do that, don't we? When life takes a sudden turn that's unpleasant or difficult or Hard or painful, we have a tendency to say, why God? Or why me? Or why this? It's probably one of the most asked and least answered questions in the English language. Why? One person asked, did you ever wonder why you tell a man there's 400 billion stars and he'll believe you, but you tell him that a bench has wet paint and he has to touch it? Why is a hamburger called ham and hamburger when it's made out of beef? Why do you put suits in garment bags and put garments in suit bags? I love this one. Why isn't there mouse flavored cat food? (laughs) You think cats would go nuts over that, wouldn't you? Why if man evolved from monkeys and apes, do we still have monkeys and apes? Here's a good one, and I've asked this one myself. Why do banks charge you an insufficient funds fee when you have insufficient funds? Why do they call them apartments when they're stuck together? So, In in, in your life, maybe you wonder why at times. Maybe you're wondering that right now. Why is God allowing these things to happen in my life or in my world? Why is there this cancer? Why these financial crises? Why the emotional struggle? Why did I lose my job? Why did this situation take place? Why this disappointment? And Daniel may have been asking some of those same questions But regardless of the wise, Daniel kept his devotion to God. See, I'm sure that what was going on was not not part of Daniel's plan for his life. But he resolved to do what was right even when things seemed to go wrong. For he knew that God was in control. Daniel took a stand for God regardless of his circumstances. Daniel was devoted to do God, what was right in God's eyes regardless of what was happening in his life. He resolved to do right even when seem, things seemed to go wrong. And we too must resolve to take a stand for God even when circumstances are not what we planned or what we desire. And then next, we must resolve to do what is right in God's eyes wherever we are. See, Daniel and his friends had to take a stand for God right where they were. In this case, it was even in the land of Babylonia. Daniel had been taken 1,500 miles from his home in Jerusalem. And and they Daniel and his friends faced incredible pressure to conform to the ways to the life to the gods to the religious structure of Babylon. Pamela explained what their name changes were all about. That was part of an effort to get them to conform. They were in new surroundings with all the political, social, cultural, and religious pressures. Daniel finds himself in a place of a foreign god. And customs that were strange to him as a Jew. He's, He's in the midst of an entirely alien culture. Daniel had now been placed in the king's college. The king of Babylon's. College, And the idea was to train him in the ways of Babylon, the thinking of Babylon. So Daniel now found himself having to live out his faith away from the center of his faith, which was his own country, and specifically Jerusalem. The Babylonians sought to to change his language, his literature, his lifestyle, his loyalty... Again, the change of names was designed to help these young men adopt the customs of Babylon. The name changes were designed to turn these Hebrew young men from thoughts of Jehovah to the ideas of the Babylonian deities, the the gods, the false gods that the Babylonians served. See, the, the goal of the Babylonians was to make these young men look like, talk like, think like, dress like, eat like, and be like Babylonians. You know, one of the worst messages and the biggest lies out there right now is seen in advertising. And honestly, I hate this ad because of what it encourages. It says, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What? Yeah. Go to Vegas and do anything you want because it'll stay here. Nobody will ever find out. It's kind of the idea of when in Rome, do what the Romans do. That could have been Daniel's attitude. On a long way from home living in another country in a different culture. There's no mention of his parents being there with him. No mention of accountability to parents or, or even Jewish authorities of any kind. Nevertheless, Daniel resolved to do right no matter where he was. And in this case, right in Babylon. And then we're to resolve to do what is right in God's eyes, regardless of the temptation. And you can imagine the temptations that Daniel faced in Babylon. We know that part of his training was included eating at the king's table. Yum! Boy, that stuff looks good. The royal food and wine... And most would yield to that influence and accept a new norm, but Daniel was not called to do what everyone else does. And we're not called to do what everyone else does either. We're not called to talk like everybody else talks, or act like everybody else acts, or accept what everybody else accepts. So Daniel made a stand to do what was right. He said no to temptation. And it's something we all deal with, isn't it? We all deal with temptation. Temptation to compromise. Temptation to take the easy way out. Preacher William Ward said, Temptation can cause us to succumb, to sink, to sin, or to stand. Harold Myra, in his his book, Leadership Secrets of Billy Graham, tells that in 1999, for the first time in 47 years, the tuna were running only 30 miles off of Cape Cod, and they were biting. You didn't have to be a professional to catch them. All you needed was a sharp hook and some bait. Reward was substantial. Japanese buyers were willing to pay thousands of dollars for a large bluefin tuna. As a result, many ignored Coast Guard warnings and headed out to sea in small boats. What these fishermen didn't realize was that that the problem is not catching a tuna, the problem comes after they are caught. On September 23rd, the Christiane, a 19-foot boat, capsized while doing battle with a tuna. The same day, the 27-foot basic instinct suffered the same fate. While official business, a 28-footer was swamped after it hooked onto a 600-pound tuna. The tuna pulled it under the water. These fishermen underestimated the power of the fish they were trying to catch. Temptation can blindside you. A small indiscretion one temptation appears worth the risk. But as with a hooked tuna, we can realize the temptation or the, the strength of the temptation too late. Daniel may have been tempted not to pray, but did it anyway and ended up in the lion's den. Joseph was tempted to sleep with Potiphar's wife, but he didn't and ended up in jail. Joshua and Caleb may have been tempted to give a bad report like the rest of the spies, but they didn't and ended up spending 40 years wandering in the desert with everyone else. David was tempted to take Saul's life, but didn't and was still a hunted man. The resolve to do what was right in God's eyes in spite of temptation did not pay off in the short term, it seems. But in the big picture, all of these were rewarded for their faithfulness. Daniel was delivered from the lions and prospered during the reigns of Darius and Cyrus. Joseph rose to a position of great power in Egypt and saved his people from starvation. Joshua and Caleb were the only survivors of their generation. And had the joy of entering the promised land. David became the greatest king that Israel would ever know. God honors those who honor him and have the re- resolve to do what is right in the face of temptation. And then resolve to do what is right in God's eyes without compromise. Seems that. You know, compromise really is a part of life. Daniel had to determine what he, w- he could compromise on and what he would not compromise on. A decision had to be made. Any successful relationship or organization has had to learn to compromise to some degree. One bitterly cold winter night, a young man plodded through high, knee-high snow to to the home of the girl he'd been dating regularly. Tonight was the night he asked her to marry him. Being very practical, the young woman said, When you have several thousand dollars saved, I will seriously consider it. Six months later, the two strolled hand in hand through a, a park along the river. He stopped to kiss her and asked, When are we going to get married? She inquired, well, you remember my condition? Just how much have you saved? He responded, exactly $75. She sighed and smiled. Oh, well, I guess that's enough. One of the issues, on the issue of eating the king's food that was set out before him, Daniel had to take a stand. Jewish diet contained restrictions on foods that were many and varied. And it would have been a symbol of dependence on the king to partake of what he offered. And whether it was because food was not prepared according to Levitical law, ritually unclean because certain foods were forbidden, or food offered to pagan gods of Babylon which would constitute a breach of faith, We are not told. But the point is, Daniel saw that partaking of that food would defile himself in the sight of God. And Daniel was resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. The Hebrew verb translated resolve means to think it over and to think it through and to establish priority. It means to take it to heart, to take it seriously, to set your heart on the issue. Daniel had thought this issue over in his heart and concluded that it was an important and compelling issue. A priority to be be taken seriously. And so, he said no to the king's food. Daniel was not willing to compromise his loyalty to God some things just cannot be compromised he was resolved to do the right thing whatever the consequences Years ago I worked with the US Fish and Wildlife Service and during the time that I worked with them they were they were uh, training people from the different wildlife refuges and fish hatcheries and things um, in law enforcement. They would received someone from each of those locations to go to Glencoe, Georgia and be trained in law enforcement. One of my friends went to this training. And one of the exercises given, given to them was a list of situations or values that the group around each table had to reach compromise on. There were some things my friend would not compromise on, and the people at the table were pretty unhappy with me. They were the only group in the room that had not come to compromise on the entire list. See, honesty at all times and some other values that impact faith would not allow me to. Compromise. When the exercise was over and the leader spoke to the king. he said the table that was the only that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have compromised and kneeled down to the image of the king. After all, God wouldn't understand God would understand, wouldn't he? I mean, our lives are at stake here. The apostles in Acts said, We cannot help but speak the things which we have seen and heard. They could have said, You know what, guys? We should probably speak to preaching in the home churches where it won't cause any problems. Look, there's God's standard. There's a world standard, and sometimes there's our standard. And the difficulty with that is we have a tendency to look at the world standard and say, Well, here's God's standard and here's God. we're way off base. But the problem is we've had a tendency, even in the church, to kind of stay ten yards behind the world and think we're okay. We have to do live, especially in the day and time we live in. We think seem to the values that fixes in our culture, the morality, the ethics, the truth and system. spirit empowered resolve because that's the only way we're going to be able to stand we need resolve to do what is right in god's eyes when things go wrong we need resolve to do what is right in god's eyes wherever we are by the way somebody else from church may not be watching family members may not be watching but god's always watching We need resolve to do what is right in God's eyes regardless of the temptation. We need resolve to do what is right in God's eyes without compromise. Amen? And may we have that resolve to be God's people in the day and time we live in. Father, we come to You today, first of all, with grateful hearts we have something that Daniel didn't have, and that is the filling of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised. That day we call Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down, those <clears throat> tongues of fire rested on that great group gathered in that upper room. And so I pray, Father, that we would set our hearts, we would determine in our wills, we would have resolve to live according to the truth of Scripture. Not according to what our world says is culturally right or even politically correct, but Lord God, according to the truth of Scripture. We are not willing to compromise some things. And that is our obedience to God. And Lord God, it's not popular to do that. Jesus said, if you choose to follow Me and obey Me, people aren't always going to be happy with you. You will be persecuted. Bad things will be said about you. And I think back to what the, the prophet said in the Old Testament. There will be a time when evil is called good and good is called evil. And I think many of us recognize that that's happening in the day and time we live in. And so, Father, we recognize today that it re- requires great Holy Spirit and power resolve to live for you, to walk as Jesus walks, to be obedient to your commands, to your statutes, to your precepts, to your law. And to show the love of Jesus, even in the midst of life's most troubling times, Lord God for your promises to us thank you that you have chosen us to be the temple that you live in may your presence and power and love and grace and mercy and kindness be seen in us in every circumstance in every temptation in every place so that Lord God you are honored in our lives we live in ways that say Jesus really does me. We do praise you, and we do thank you because we are blessed today. And we pray all of these things in the strong name.